0: Verse 26, it says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a small town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Okay, they're pledged to be married. They're in this town that was probably 1,600, 2,000 people, somewhere in there uh those of you who have been to mexico with us you've been to la madrid that's about how big that town is the last last time i asked um not huge but definitely like like probably too small for most of us to want to live in it um and so here's this town and they're pledged to be married that is not a a bad thing i think we immediately think they were betrothed which uh in some cultures that would be like a political not a political but like a like a, a money-making deal between, you know, a dad and uh, another dad, or uh, it'd, you know, just be one of those things where it sounds really bad for the woman, you know, that she's betrothed to this guy, you know, like who would want to, you know, forced to marry someone she doesn't love. Um, In, the, in their culture, that, that wasn't the case. There was consent. Um, If you were pledged to be married, there was consent on both parties. And it was traditionally, it was set up by the parents and all that kind of stuff, but uh, they both had to agree to it. Um, normal custom in that time would put Joseph between eighteen and twenty years old, and Mary between uh, twelve and fourteen, um, no older than probably sixteen. All right. Um, so y'all are regretting buying me all those books because I have all this stuff. Um, so, so they were young. Okay. I- imagine a couple that is, I don't know, best case scenario, twenty and 15 okay set to get married how many of you are glad you didn't get married when you were 15 you know um and so anyway i'm really glad that my parents didn't set me up with who they thought i should marry when i was 15 because that'd be bad too um so they're pledged to be married and and it's not a bad thing it's it's a good thing and it was a very normal thing given their ages and all this kind of stuff all right the verse 28 um The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, she asked, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. All right? Now, Here she is, 14, 15 years old. This is what happens to her, all right? And from there, uh, flip, keep your finger there, flip back to Matthew chapter 1. That was uh, from Mary's perspective. Matthew chapter 1 is kind of Joseph's perspective. From there happened maybe the most awkward conversation in the history of mankind, Okay. (laughs) Like, if you could eavesdrop on any conversation, think about all the historical times, I mean, all the things that have gone on in history that it would be great to be a fly on the wall for. I would love to know what in the world she told him at the time. But somehow she broke the broke the news to him, and I guess break isn't maybe right, because it's great news. It's just, like, a little bit out there, you know. Um Tells him exactly what the angel said probably, and who knows if they had a fight or if they, he stormed out or if he cried. I mean, we don't know anything about how he took it except for what is said in Matthew chapter 1, starting verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit because Joseph her husband was a righteous man did not want to expose her to public disgrace he had in mind to divorce her quietly okay now what that tells us is at first like when he, she first told him he didn't believe her he wasn't buying it and and so he was, he was kind of stuck now he was a, when it says he was a righteous man I mean it means that he was it doesn't mean that he was like exceptional or anything it just means that he he followed the law he was a good like jewish follower of yahweh okay he he did all the all the things kept the laws he was righteous as far as as how he approached god and so what that meant was like just kind of the way that it would happen um when you were pledged to be married when you were betrothed like that it was um it was way more serious than than like our version of engagement Um, if, if you were pledged to be married, um, and you, uh, you cheated on your fiance or whatever they called him, um, it was considered the same as an act of adultery. Okay. Um, it was, um, not a good thing in the old Testament, you would get stoned to death for it. Um, in the new Testament, uh, you could, you could divorce them. Basically you could get out of, of the marriage pledge or whatever. And, um, that could be done – when it says quietly, it could be done simply by signing a document with a certain number of witnesses or whatever. Um, and so it could be done – it wasn't this big, like, public hearing or whatever. When it says he could divorce her quietly, he was – it was very possible for him to, to do this and for them to break the engagement without him having to say why necessarily or whatever. And without exposing her to the disgrace of um, that divorce because of what happened. Um and basically for someone to uh, to be pledged to be married, for a woman to be pledged to be married and then to have a divorce because she was pregnant would basically ensure her of never never getting married and never um, – once her parents were dead, she had no – there was no covering over her. There was no one responsible for her, and uh, she would be a, like a widow in the most true sense of the word, which at that time was really bad. And so, so Joseph, like he had this decision to make. And so he just decided, you know, we're going to keep it quiet. I'm not going to disgrace her and, you know, whatever. He obviously did not believe her story. Verse 20, after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, and I love this, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. All right? So, so he doesn't believe her. he's made a decision on how to handle the situation. He has this dream where it's pretty much confirmed that what she was saying is right. He's almost saying, like, don't be afraid. This, this is God's idea. Okay, God is in this, so you have nothing to worry about. Um, what I want us to do, just for a few minutes, is to look to look at the the earthly parents that God entrusted the uh, the incarnate Word to. Okay, that when Jesus left heaven and took the form of a man and as a baby, who God entrusted to raise this little one, and, and why. Um, Flip back over to Luke. Keep your finger, Matthew 1. Go back to Luke 1, verse 38. This is Mary's reply to this pretty bizarre thing that's just happened. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Angel shows up in a room, tells her, "Um, you're going to have God's baby. He's going to be the Messiah. This is the one that everybody's been waiting for for hundreds of years. You get to be his mom. And her reply is, I am the Lord's servant. May it happen just like you said. Back in Matthew chapter 1, flip back there. Joseph was different. It was a dream. Um, We've all had just like crazy dreams or whatever. And you wake up and you're like, I'm really glad that that didn't happen. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. May it happen just like you said. He wakes up and goes out and is obedient to what the the dream said, okay? Um, Last week, the word that was just on my heart a lot was longing. Tonight, it's submission, They were, as individuals and as a couple, they were faced with a situation that they probably did not know how to handle initially, okay? And I know Mary's, you know, like they each like responded obediently, but I'm sure there's a little bit of that disbelief rolling on as things were going on. But they were faced with with this situation where they could submit to what God was doing or they could rebel against it. See, we don't we don't like the word submission. I think that um, we probably liked it okay until I remember a couple of years ago when the Southern Baptist Convention put into their like statement of beliefs or whatever the like uh, the wife is the I mean the uh, wait uh, the husband is the head of the household and the wife should submit to him all that kind of stuff and they got all this all this negative press about. You know the Baptist stance on stuff about the the submissive wife. You know, we don't like the word submission. It's 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 negative to us for some reason. But the thing is, submission. You know, is it's all throughout Scripture. You know, um, it talks about you know slaves submit to your masters. It, Jesus said you know to pay to Caesar what is Caesar's and God what is God's. Um, it talks about taking thoughts captive. Um, you know, Satan is submissive to Jesus, you know, and he's casting demons out and stuff like that. There is wives, submit to your husbands. There's children, obey your parents. Um, there's uh, submit to the authority within the church. I mean, all throughout Scripture and all these different forms, there is is that concept of submission. And so here we see it in the context of submitting to like God's plan for your life moving forward. We, we, I think, t- tend to think of submission in terms of wrestling instead of in terms of football, okay? Stick with me. It made sense earlier to me. To me. Um, when in, in the sport of wrestling, there are two athletes that are wrestling, okay? And one can put the other one in a hold and where it is, it is a submissive hold, the other person has no control. It's your, comp- it's a complete like domination kind of thing. It's about, you know, it's about power, and you get the person where they can't do anything. And for some of us, that's the only way that we can think of submission. When you when you hear uh, wives submit to your husbands, you immediately think uh, husbands lording everything over, you know, their wives and telling them what to do, and you have no role and you have no thoughts, and you, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's horrible. I mean. I don't like that either. Um, we tend to think that that submission is like that. It's it's someone oppressing someone else. But really, when you when you start talking about submission in, in a biblical sense, um, it's it's more like a football team, all right. Specifically, I, I I think about the the offensive line of a football team, all right. Those guys, they know exactly what role they're supposed to play. And they're great with it, you know. They're never going to catch a touchdown pass. If they do, it'll be called back. They're probably never going to be interviewed by the press after a game, win, loss, whatever, you know. They're probably not going to get the shoe contracts. Okay, they're not going to get the shoe contracts ever. They're just, that's just not what they're there to do. They're there to protect the quarterback. They're, they're there to, to block for the running backs. They're there to, like, freak out when the blitz is coming and, you know, try to just not let the quarterback get killed. I mean, they know what their role is. And so that's different from wrestling in this sense. See, biblical submission is about knowing and embracing the role that you play. An offensive lineman knows and embraces his role He knows what he's there to do and he knows what he's not there to do. And that's more about that's that's a more like more biblical understanding of what submission is all about. Knowing your role, embracing your role in fulfilling something that's bigger than you. That's what it's really all about. When it comes to to submission within the church, okay? It's not about, you know, all these pastors have all this authority and they're on these ego trips and all this kind of stuff, whatever. It's not wrestling. It's football. It's like, no, 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 that's that's the role that, that they're supposed to play, and I have the role that I'm supposed to play, and you have the role that you're supposed to play. And if everybody's playing their role and embracing that, we're able to fulfill something that's bigger than ourselves. The mission of the church goes forward, you know it's like that in in a marriage as well it's not wrestling it's 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 that football mentality of, of the husband saying like this is my role and I'm going to play it and the wife said this is my role and I'm going to play it and all the kids are like this is our role and we're going to play it and together the family moves through life in a way that's glorifying to God and every other example you go out there's always something bigger that's more important And so what about the Christmas story? Like, what does it have to do with the Christmas story? Why would, why would God choose these two, oh, these two individuals who are about to get married? Why, why this family to bring Jesus into? It's because the redemptive mission of God requires submission. It requires submission to his plan, to his ways, to his timing, um, to, to his everything. Everything about what this tree over here was pointing toward, what the entire Bible is pointing to, everything about it requires the submission of you and I to the plan and the ways and the timing and the details of God. that's why mary and joseph maybe and i'm don't quote me on this but that may be the that may be the biggest factor about them as to why they were they were the ones because it takes a kind of heart that would say okay all the the social like ramifications are going to come from this and all the potential disgrace and maybe the, the rumors and all the, you know, the, how frustrating it might be and all the question marks, all that stuff comes under submission to God's will being carried out. It's going to take a submissive heart and a submissive mind to say, okay, bring the baby, you know, bring the Messiah. How great for Jesus to grow up in a home where that's where that's the case, you know? How great for all of our kids as part of this church to grow up in homes where that is the case. You couples that are married that don't have kids, for that to be the case. You engage people. You single people who want to get married. I mean, how great would that be um, just in the context of family, But split that apart as to individuals, how amazing would it be to be a part of a community of faith where we are just completely submissive in a true sense of the word, where we we know our role, we embrace that. Because we know that by by knowing it and by embracing it and by playing our role, we are helping to fulfill something that is bigger than us. For Mary and Joseph, it was the moving forward of God's redemptive plan. For all of us, it's the same thing. We, the church, I mean, we we continue what was started. And that's why we always talk about moving deeper in those relationships with people who don't know Christ or people that you work with, people that you live with. Um, because God is missional. That's how we're supposed to look at. The world. And we submit to that. And what that basically says is that the fulfillment of God's missional purpose on the earth trumps everything else about us. And whatever we have to do to embrace that and to, and to be a part of that, we're going to do. That I means sometimes we end up taking jobs that maybe don't make a whole lot of sense to us right away. Sometimes we end up giving money. That maybe, like, wisdom doesn't really say that, yeah, you you should give. We submit to the way that the church is put together, and we submit to the way that that, um, our families are put together, and we submit to all that trusting and believing that Jesus is over all that. And it's a part of how he designed everything to be. That's why it's so important. What's What's tough, though, is that a lot of times we struggle with submission because of two things. Sometimes it's because we just love ourselves too much. And other times it's because we don't really value the the greater mission enough. You marry Joseph, they could have, I mean, she didn't have much of a choice. <laughs> he could have flipped out and, like, I don't care what's going on. And he could have definitely chosen him himself. He could have still divorced her quietly. He could have woken up from that dream and been like, man, had too much baklava to eat. I don't know. If they ate baklava, I'm just guessing. It's the only Jewish food I can think of. I had, I had too much to eat last night. I ate something weird. I had a weird dream. That was crazy. It's like God was talking to me. It was crazy. Divorce. <laughs> We do that all the time. We love ourselves too much, we love our stuff too much, we love money, we love what makes us happy. We just we there are just things that where we are so um just self-centered in the way we think and live and the way our decisions are that uh Yeah. Why submit? I'm the boss of me. Or maybe it's you know uh, on the the other side we just don't value stuff enough. Maybe we really don't care about God's redemptive mission on the earth a whole lot, you know. Maybe sometimes we care and sometimes we don't. Maybe it's kind of like uh, like everybody's all like amped up about like being green nowadays, you know, and and recycling and doing all these things for the earth. You know, there's like sometimes you're like yes I need to do that, and then there are other times you're like I just need to throw this away. <laughs> I don't see a trash can. Just throw it. Maybe there's that fluctuation of, yes, God's mission for the earth, and I'm all about that. And other times you're like, you know what, I just I, I want to go home, go to bed. You know what, I don't want to help this person who has trouble with, who's having a car trouble on the side of the road. I just don't. You know? I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, I'd like to give to this, but, I mean, mm, Christmas is coming, blah, blah, blah. Maybe it flip flops, the thing is we have to we have to value what God is doing enough for that to trump anything else. We have to look at people that don't don't know him and say no 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 that's that's the whole reason why we are here. That's the whole point of Christmas so that person that's separated from God is no longer separated from God. That's the whole point. And there's not a single thing about my life that is more important than that. And that mission happens through the church. By the church, that means through you and me. So, I have to know and embrace my role in that happening. The thing is, it's not submission in a negative way. We're not an offensive lineman who wishes all the time we were a wide receiver or a quarterback. It's not about that. For a football team, it's about winning, for the church, it's about God's glory. And a lot of times, I mean, you may be sitting here tonight being like, I'm totally submissive. Maybe you are. A lot of times we don't really know until, like, till we're faced with that circumstance. I mean, some of you, I know some of you are right there in it right now. You're having to, like, pretty much choose between what you really want to do and what you know God is wanting you to do. And that's a tough place to be. It's in the middle of those circumstances where we really figure out am, do I have a submissive heart? Am I submissive? Is my mind submissive to what God wants? But really, the real question is how did how did Mary and Joseph get to that point? It says in verse 19. Says because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. You're not described biblically as a righteous man, unless you're living it, unless it is a daily part of who you are. To be described as a Jew, a, a righteous Jewish man, man that everything that God said to do, he was doing those things. He was pursuing that that holy and blameless. Old Testament walk with God So I think that's what it comes down to. It's you don't know, all of a sudden in the midst of a situation become submissive. It's a it's a it's a daily thing. Every day bringing ourselves under the lordship and the authority of Christ. Every morning bringing our mind and our heart and our actions and our our day and our, everything that we do, our attitudes, everything under the submission and authority of Jesus Christ. And if that's something that you and I are doing every single day, every single day, every single day, when these situations pop up, we don't have to be like, all right, I guess I have to submit. Because <laughs> then we jump back to that wrestling mindset. All right, God, put me in a submission hold. God's not here to beat you up, push you around, force you to, like, obey him. No. It's abundant life. It's free life. What Christmas is all about is access to the one that we are submitting to. And we focus on the one that we are submitting to. Submission is easy. When it says, wives, submit to your husbands, When the husband is walking closely with Jesus, he's very easy to come under. It's very easy for a wife to come under his authority. It's the same way with us. When we start to focus on the one we are submitting to, it's easy. It's trusting him every day in every situation. So Jesus was born into a family where they submitted to God's plan for them and really for all of mankind. And because Jesus came and lived and died and is now seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, according to Hebrews, he's been through everything that we've been through yet was without sin and he's there interceding for us. We're set. That's why Christmas is about hope, because we submit to him, to the Prince of Peace, to the Everlasting Father, the Mighty God, the Wonderful Counselor. So maybe as we continue through the Christmas season, maybe when you see a manger and you see Mary there and you see Joseph, maybe you'll think about the situation that they found themselves in. And they're beautiful, just submissive hearts that God trusted his only son to. Maybe it'll be a challenge to us as we go ahead. Let's pray.